I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. This episode of Ghost Maps was recorded on Audio-Technica mics. Ghost Maps. Entry 8. It's close to noon when Neil orders another tea for himself and another copio for me. He's already told me two stories about his father's experiences and he's got a couple more of his own to share. I tell him that most people I know have one or two at most that I don't usually meet anyone with more. He thinks people have more to offer than they might suspect. He tells me that it's just been easier for his family to admit the truth, that what they've experienced can't necessarily be explained away by logic sometimes. I don't disagree with him and offer up a knowing smile. Our drinks arrive. I ask him to tell me about his stories, to tell me what he's experienced. It was the late 90s, he starts. Things were going well for Neil's family. They moved into a considerably larger flat along Lorong Asu in 1995. The new home was just the start though. Neil's father received the promotion at work and even enjoyed a couple of small lottery wins. So, when he found an injured bird with a beautiful song. He just assumed it was the universe delivering another win for him. He nursed the bird back to health, and every morning, the family would wake up to that beautiful song. But a month later, Neil's father was accused of stealing from work. Two weeks after that, his mother lost her job. And a week after that, his grandmother passed away suddenly. Through all the tragedy and hardship, every morning, the bird greeted them with its beautiful song. A song that Neil's father was starting to suspect wasn't as sweet as it seemed. Neil had just finished his O-level exams at the time and was taking a break till his results came in. His parents had taken a short vacation to Johor, so he called his friend Inesh over one afternoon for video games. And at some point during that afternoon, Neil's father called up. Let the bird go, he told Neil, without any explanation. Neil tried to push him for more, but his father simply insisted and then hung up. It was a sunny afternoon, Neil recalls. Not a cloud in the sky, 
and from my balcony window, I had a clear view of the entire street. He continues. He says that he's telling me this because he wants me to know that what happened next happened out of nowhere. Neil took the bird's cage down from where it hung in their living room. He took it to the balcony window and casually said his goodbyes, joking with Dinesh that the bird probably had enough of the family by now anyway. He opened the cage door and cautiously the bird hopped onto the window and then flew out. It got barely a meter away when four large crows swooped out of nowhere and pulled it apart. Neil dropped the cage, stunned. Dinesh tried to assure him that it wasn't his fault. But Neil was in too much shock to respond. A week later, Neil's mother found a new job at a rival company. A week after that, Neil's father was cleared off the accusations, and things started settling down again for the family. But all the way till the end of that year, Neil could have sworn that every once in a while, he'd still hear the birds' unnervingly beautiful song. I ask him what he thinks it was, and he shrugs. He says, I get the sense that sometimes, some things just have a bad energy to them. I ask if he thinks that bad energy might come from beyond this world. He says that it could be. Then he adds that he's seen enough to believe that anything might be possible. I ask him, but what else? By 2005, Neil was a supervisor at a security firm, overseeing guards at a number of locations from malls to office buildings. One of those locations was a dorm in the north for foreign workers. He'd later find out that this particular building was hoisted upon him by his boss and several other supervisors, simply because they didn't want to deal with its unique problem. On his first day at the dorm, his guards crowded around him and demanded to know what he was going to do about that unit. He asked what unit they were talking about and they called a guard named Hok Seng over. Seng, they said, had the third eye. The guard looked like he'd not had a good rest in a long time. He twitched nervously every once in a while, and his eyes darted back and forth, almost as if he was bracing himself for an attack of some kind. The other guards told Singh to bring Neil up to the unit. He protested a little at first, but eventually relented. 
The unit was on the third floor in the northernmost corner of the dorm. On their way up, Neil tried to comfort Singh. He told him not to worry, that he talked to the other guards about the way they treated him. Singh, in an almost vacant tone, said that it wasn't the other guards that he was scared of. Neil just nodded and continued up the stairs. The unit itself was a small, cramped space that was surprisingly gloomy, even during the day and with a window wide open. Neil tried to flip a light switch, but it wouldn't work. The only thing illuminating the unit was a red lantern hanging in the corner. Seng said, no one, not the guards or the workers, knew who hung that lantern. Neil walked in, but Singh stood outside, his eyes growing wide with fear. Neil knew exactly why too. The dorm was unnaturally cold. He described it just the way his father had described the back room of that old Frankel Avenue unit. Biting and angry. Neil walked towards the lantern, trying his best not to show Singh how frightened he was. As he reached the lantern, Singh started stammering, but couldn't get the words out. He looked at the guard and knew instinctively what he wanted to say. Where is it? Neil asked. Behind you, the guard whispered. Neil turned around just as he felt something brush against the back of his neck. He didn't need to ask Singh where it was now. He headed towards the unit's bedroom. The room was just as bitingly cold. Another gloomy, cramped space. Another red lantern in the corner. Neil called out for Singh a few times before the guard wearily entered the unit and walked over. He refused to enter the bedroom. His eyes focused on the room's sole window. Is it there? Neil asked. The guard only nodded. Neil moved a little closer, but stopped when Singh flinched. He looked questioningly at the guard. Angry was all Singh could muster. Neil looked out the window and saw that this side of the dorm faced a dense forest. One that, despite all the development around the area, remained untouched. It's home, Neil presumed. Taking a cue from his father, Neil mustered up as much courage as he could to the window and said, This is not your home. Singh started sobbing quietly. Please, said Neil. 
Silence hung in the air as Neil kept quickly looking back at Singh to gain some clue from his reaction. Eventually, the sobbing stopped and Singh looked calmer. Neil closed the window, knowing full well how little that gesture meant. And he was about to reach for the lantern to remove it when Singh yelled for him to stop. It's gone, Singh, he said. Singh just shook his head sadly. Always come back, he said. True enough, the dorm never stayed occupied for long. Foreign workers would complain to their supervisors, asking, demanding, even begging to be moved to another unit. Two months in, Neil requested that someone else take over the dorms. His bosses refused, so he quit. Neil tells me that he found work elsewhere pretty quickly. He says it just wasn't worth it, staying on at that place. Nothing really happened to me, but I knew enough from my dad's stories that I shouldn't have pushed my luck. I ask him what he thinks it was, and he says that there are still some things on this island that we can't put easy labels on. We both finish our drinks, and I thank him for his time. But before I get up to go, I ask him how he's managed to face all of these experiences and still keep his wits about him. Like I said, I tell him, most people I know only really had one of these. And as far as they know, a lot of them have been pretty shook up. He answers by telling me one last quick story. This time, about his grandfather back in the 50s. He says that his dad came from a big family. Five brothers, three sisters. So Neil's grandfather would wait up for everyone to get home. But even after everyone was back, his grandfather would just stand outside their front door, arms folded, staring intently at something. Their street was pitch dark at night, and a forest, much like the one opposite the dorm up north, sat across their home. There was no way that Neil's grandfather could have seen anything in that forest, but he kept staring anyway almost as if he was standing guard, making sure that nothing would get to his family. And that, Neil tells me, is why he's not shaken by these stories. He says, I told you at the start that telling these stories feels as natural to me as talking about my own family. That's because these stories are so much apart of my family. I stand, shake his hand, and smile. And for the last time, I thank him for sharing his stories, his family's stories.
and I leave. If you want to discover more of Southeast Asia's other side, subscribe now. Acast powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.